Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and joining me tonight is Joe. Joe, how are you doing, bud? <laughs> About as good as the team can be after getting swept by the Dodgers and going against, up against the uh, Rock Red Hot Orioles this week. <laughs> Words we didn't think we were going to say at any point this season. Uh, winners of eight straight games, the Orioles, we might add. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, Jason won't be joining us tonight, folks. Uh, he's got a little bit of a family issue tonight. So, uh, Jason, hope everything goes well for you, and we'll see you back on next week. Um, Joe, so what are you drinking tonight? Uh, going Evan Williams and, and Pepsi. I, You know, it, I'm running out of options, kind of like the, the Cubs bullpen this weekend, so. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not wrong about that. That was uh, not not the most exemplary performance the uh, Cubbies have ever had from the bullpen this past weekend, that's for sure. So tonight, I've got two different beers. Number one is uh, from Southern Tier, nice slice in honor of my uh, golf swing. It's a watermelon session ale, not too bad. And then because we were finally able to, f- finally able to try it, and excuse me, not try it, find it, Nimble Giant from Trogues, one of my favorite summer ales. All right, so Joe, let's jump into it. We'll uh, we'll start with the mess known as the All Star Game and all the uh, associated uh, nuance and whatnot thereof. So just just a reminder on the rules for the rosters and voting and all that this year. The fans voted the nine starters while the players select one reserve at each position, plus the first five starting pitchers and three relievers. Um, That'll give the league office open spots for two position players and four pitchers for each league, which is basically where they have to go to find the reps from the Royals, the Diamondbacks, the Tigers, and a few others. Because, you know, some teams just really have nothing up right now. All right, so uh, Joe, here's the AL starters. Alejandro Kirk is catching from Toronto. Vlad Guerrero Jr. at first from Toronto. Jose Altuve at second from Houston. Tim Anderson at short from the White Sox. Rafael Devers at third from Boston. Outfield is uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton from the Yankees and Mike Trout from Anaheim. And in what was a terrible voting decision by the fans, Shohei Otani at DH from Anaheim. Terrible call, fans. Y'all screwed that one up pretty bad. Should have been uh, Jordan. In the NL, we've got uh, Wilson Contreras catching from the Cubbies. Who needs to be re-signed? <laughs> we've got Gulch, Paul Goldschmidt at first from the Cardinals. Jazz Chisholm Jr. at second from the Marlins. Trey Turner at short from the Dodgers. Another screw-up by the fans, I might add. Manny Machado at third from San Diego. Outfield is uh, Mookie from the Dodgers. Uh, Cunha from Atlanta. Jock Peterson from San Francisco. Although, let's face it, the way San Francisco is going, I fully expect Jock to be moved at the trade deadline yet again. Wouldn't say no to seeing him back in Atlanta, although we don't need outfield this year. <laughs> and then at DH, Bryce Harper of the Phillies. Um, Harper has already been declared out because of his injury, so it's already been announced that from Atlanta, William Contreras will take over at DH. And Joe, that brings up something really cool. Um, we've got both brothers starting. Uh, both William and Wilson will be starting. They'll be the first brothers to appear in the same All-Star game since Aaron and Brett Boone back in 2003. 
first set of brothers in the same team since Roberto Alomar and Sandy Alomar Jr. back in 98, and the first set of brothers to start alongside each other since the Alomars in 92. I hadn't realized it's been that long, although I guess I really shouldn't be surprised. It's, that's hard to do. So that's going to be pretty sweet. I mean, we already got to see them catch against each other for the first time this year, um, you know, starting in the same all-star team. That's that's freaking cool. I, I, I just love that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really sweet to to look at and um, and to see happen for them. Um, they've wanted to be in the same clubhouse at some point before, and and they get to have that experience here in a, in a week or so. Um, and, and and you know, I, I think um, in all the interviews they did of Wilson uh, yesterday, he was just beyond beyond words and beyond emotion about about how much it means for him how much it means to his brother and how much it just means for their family. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. I read an article, you know, they said, you know, it's something they dreamed of growing up playing ball in the backyard that one day they'd be able to play, you know, one day they'd be on the all-star teams together, you know, against each other or something like that. I, I don't think they expect it to happen this quick. That's freaking awesome, man. Yeah, it, it is really sweet. Like I said, it's, it's really um, you know, Wilson's a class act and I'm sure William's just as classy as, as Wilson is. I don't see him that much, obviously, but, um, Wilson is a class act and, and it, you love to see guys like that get rewarded for what they're doing. And, um, you know, Wilson has now, this will be three appearances as a cub. Um, and it, he talked about yesterday too, just how much, being, being becoming an all-star not once not twice now but three times being in the same team with his brother and doing all three of those appearances for the Cubs and just how much that means to him to do it as a cub so I don't know how many more hints he can drop <laughs> I mean he's making this about as obvious as uh, about as obvious as anything you'll ever see that he does not want to go anywhere else uh I, I still, to this day, in reference to your shirt, I still do not understand why he has not yet been extended. Absolutely stupid. Absolutely, Absolutely stupid. It's ridiculous. And I will be on that train with you until the end of time because that's, yeah, dumber in hell. Yeah, one thing I'd say, too, with the all-star voting in general, um, you know, Bryce Harper deserves to be on this list, and, and I'm – you know, glad that he's had the success he's had. Hopefully he gets back soon for Jason's sake. Yeah, I mean, Schwarber's been picking up the slack incredibly well, uh, but that's a long time to be without a guy who is trying to go back-to-back -back in um, the MVP race here. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. All right, let's see. So looking at the reserve players in the AL, the backup catchers, Jose Trevino of the Yankees. Infielders, you got Luis Herreras from Minnesota, Xander Bogarts from Boston, Miggy uh, from Detroit. He was a commissioner's special pick. Andres Jimenez from Cleveland, Jose Ramirez from Cleveland. I, I was glad to see Ramirez still made it. He's destroying the ball this year. 
Um, outfield for the AL, Andrew Benatendi from Kansas City because they had to get somebody in there. Byron Buxton from the Twins. Julio Rodriguez from Seattle, which, you know, what's surprising is he's actually was an MLB pick for a Seattle rep. I'm, I'm shocked he didn't get voted in. He's having a great season. Um, George Springer of the Blue Jays and Kyle Tucker of the Astros. Jordan Alvarez did get did make it in on a player's vote as the backup DH for the AL. Um, pitchers for the AL. You've got Paul Blackburn from Oakland, who is having a good season despite the fact that he is just, you know, the MLB choice pick for them. Um, Emmanuel Clays, as we all predicted several weeks ago. Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Clay Holmes, all of the Yankees. Um, Clay Holmes might be one of the best relievers in baseball right now. The dude's insane. Um, Jorge Lopez made it from Baltimore. Alex Manoa from Toronto. Shane McClanahan from Tampa Bay. Shohei Otani also as a pitcher. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dig into the Shohei stuff in a little bit. I, I've got some thoughts there. Uh, Martin Perez of Texas. Gregory Soto of Detroit. Uh, MLBs. Uh, hey, you guys need a rep because... I, and this is insane, Joe. The commissioner's special pick does not count as your rep. Why? A- absolute f- bullshit. Straight bullshit. And then Framber Valdez of Houston and Justin Verlander of Houston. All right. And then for the NL, the reserves, Travis Darno from Atlanta. And the infield, Pete Alonzo from the Mets. Arenado from the Cardinals. CJ Cron from Colorado. Again, they had to get a rep. Although I, I'll say that Kron's having a good season. Jeff McNeil, the Mets, who, if you'll recall, Joe, I said was one of my early favorites for second base. Um, Albert Pujols got the commissioner's special pick. And uh, Dansby from Atlanta. I'm just glad he still made it because the dude's been tearing the cover off the ball lately. Outfield, you guys got Ian Happen. Great pick there. Starling Marte made it from the Mets. Schwarber made it from the Phillies. And so at least the Phillies still have one guy that will actually be playing in the game. And uh, MLB's pick for the Nationals was Juan Soto, interestingly, not Josh Bell. Um, I don't know if it's because there were too many first basemen on the roster already or what, but I I, I think Bell got hosed. Um, from For the pitchers for the National League, you got Sandy Alcantara from Miami. That's uh, probably the most no-brainer pick of all time. Um, David Bednar of the Pirates. Corbin Burns from Milwaukee. Luis Castillo from Cincinnati. Edwin Diaz from the Mets. Max Fried from Atlanta. Tony Gonsolin from L.A. Because if you don't put the guy who's 11-0 with a one-and-change ERA in, you're insane. Josh Hader of the Brewers, Ryan Heisley of St. Louis, Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers. Yeah, I've got some things to say about that, too. Uh, Joe Mantiply of Arizona. I had to look this guy up. I had no idea who the hell he was. And uh, Joe Musgrove of the Padres. So uh, what do you think of the rosters overall, Joe? The rosters are garbage. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the commissioner pick not counting is is idiotic to me. Yeah. If you're going to put an extra pick in there, it has to count toward the the number, um, or at least the team representation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, um, you know, Darno's having a good year for Atlanta, but is he better than Will Smith? Probably not. It's, it's, it, it's, that one's close. That, that, it's a, it's a good. Let's let's say there's a good discussion there. I yeah. Think. Um, you know, to me, 
the fact that we guarantee it every team a pick or at least one person is just, you know, it defeats the point of earning it, defeats the point of, you know, being trying to be the best you can be because, you know, you're, the, the fact that up until the, that pitcher, Helsley, you mentioned, the fact that those two are the picks for well, Aaron Otto, you know, for St. Louis, I mean, Aaron Otto, I've got no beef with, but like you couldn't have, like you could have put Wainwright in there. Yeah. Uh, Wainwright's having a much better year than Kershaw is, um, you know, going out on, on, you know, a good run here. The fact that they put a guy, you didn't even know who he was from Arizona. You know, that that's just, insane to me um you know and i guess you'll probably talk about who some of these other snubs in a second but like it's insane to me that we let people we just give people you know an appearance because they're on a team and it's like you know are we cutting out the best players in the game because we want to make sure that every team's got somebody yeah that's yeah, that's something that's been driving me nuts uh, pretty much all day That as we've been looking at this. Um, you can't you can't tell me that Ty France is not better than Arias from Minnesota. You can't tell me that. Like, yeah, so Joe, I, I pulled up uh, Will Smith versus Darno. I've got their numbers for the season here. It, it's it's really close. Darno slashing 267, 318, 480. Smith is at 257, 348, 451. So their OPS is literally one point off. Um, Will Smith has played in more games than Darno has 72 to 58. Um, 13 to 11 home runs in favor of Smith, 15 to 11 doubles in favor of Darno. Hits are 66 to 60 in favor of Smith. I. Honestly, man, it, it to me it looks like it's a toss up. Um, that said, there should be three catchers on each roster. I think two catchers is dumb. That said, the American League has literally no catchers outside of the two that are on the roster. So I, I can kind of understand why maybe the AL's like, yeah, well, we can't fit a third catcher because we literally don't have one. I mean, uh I mean, Salvador Perez, last year's starter, is hurt and hitting in the low 200s. So, yeah, yeah, catcher's pretty bad right now. I can understand that. Um, you mentioned the snubs. Here's – I. This is a combination of my list, and I looked up a couple different a couple different guys, some of the MLB.com guys. Uh, some of this is from Passens. Um uh, some snubs. Freddie Freeman, one of the best first basemen and players in the league. It's in his current home stadium, and he wasn't picked. Makes no sense to me. Um, I'm hoping he replaces Bryce Harper's spot on the roster. Um, Tommy Edmond, Carlos Rodon, Zach Wheeler, Kevin Gossman, Logan Gilbert, Ty France, Austin Riley, Will Smith, Dylan Cease, Brandon Drury, Josh Bell, Devin Williams, Aaron Nola even. I, can, can we get rid of the every team has to have a rep and get a participation trophy? 
because some of these guys are off deliberately because of that exact issue. I, I think all of them are off because of that, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the, the thought that Rodon isn't having a better year than Castillo or Burns even. Yeah. You know, but Burns I, I, is having a great year, but the, the, the thought that Rodon isn't better than Luis Castillo or Kershaw. I mean, Kershaw, you know, it, yes, he's reinvented himself and he's had a lot of success still, but, you know, is he really the one of the best pitchers in the National League? No. He's Kershaw doesn't have enough innings to qualify for the ERA title right now. Right. And his ERA, like, yeah, six and two with, I think it was a 262. Not bad. Um, but he should be in over Zach Wheeler. Absolutely like, not. I, I and I'm I, I'll step to the plate here for Jason since he's not here to do it himself. Zach Wheeler should 100% be in this All Star game. Wheeler's eight and four. He's got a 2.46 ERA. He's already thrown 95 innings. He's struck out 104. He's got a 1.053 WHIP. I mean, what more do you want of the guy? He's only walked 21 batters so far this season. That's uh, for those who keeping track at home, 9.9 strikeouts per nine, two walks per nine. He's only allowed five home runs this year. That is a half a home run allowed per nine. Granted, Atlanta hit two off him when we played a couple, when we played a week ago, but still Wheeler is having a great year. He started slow. I'll give you that. He did not have a great start to the year. He was dealing with some injuries, but He's more than made up for that. He should be an over Kershaw. I, I just I, I hate the Kershaw pick. And honestly, yeah. if you have to add an extra Dodgers pitcher, Kershaw's not the guy I'm adding. I'm adding Urias, not Kershaw. Well, I mean, even even greater all who's in the bullpen, because because the guy's just fun to watch. Like, yeah, seriously. Um yeah, I, I don't I don't get the Kershaw pick. That makes no sense to me. I don't think that Ty France should have been shafted in this one. The, the fact that um, Julio Rodriguez has to get in on the reserves is insane for Seattle. Now Seattle has had a, a rough year, but it were you know worse than we thought they would. But still, the guy is electric. They're heating up now, though. We'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, the 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 Shohei business, you know, it, I I feel like you've got to let him in one way or the other if he's earned it. I don't think he gets both spots. No, that doesn't make sense to me. All right, or, or sh- should we roll in the Shohei here? <laughs> All right, let's roll well, in the Shohei. I mean, we we, we can. I'm just I, I'm just thinking, you know, um, you know, Soto from Detroit is not better than Dylan Cease. No, I agree with that, hundred percent. That, that's insane. The, the pitching to me is the one I had the biggest beef with. The only position player I'm, I'm, I just can't understand is, I would say, I guess probably two would be Ty France and Austin Riley. It makes no sense that they're not in here. Yeah, I'll bring up Riley in a second. But here's in fourteen starts, Shohei's eight and four, two forty four ERA. I mean, that's not bad. 81 innings, 60 hits allowed, 22 earned runs. He's allowed eight homers, 
walked 20, struck out 111. Not bad numbers, a .99 whip, an average against of 200. The problem is most of those numbers are not going to be over the top, leading the league. Um, And to be honest, it's... I. Actually, Joe, he might not even have enough innings to qualify. No, he doesn't. Shohei doesn't even have enough innings to qualify for ERA and WHIP titles. Um, so you're going back to the same, the exact same issue I have with Kershaw being in. When you're not going to give it to a guy, when you're not going to give it to guys who have been pitching consistently all year for guys that have been hurt, and while they've been good, they haven't been world you know we're not talking about like jacob de last year who at one point before he got hurt had more rbis driven in as a batter than he had walks allowed like i could understand de with insane numbers like he had being put in with a limit with a limited list i i don't get it with kershaw i don't get it with otani um, and I also think the fans screwed up. I don't think it should be Otani as the starting DH. Now, he would have been in anyway because I believe Jordan's hurt and won't be back until after the All-Star break. Right. But Jordan should have been the starter at DH 100%. No questions asked. Yeah. The, the Major League wants to seem to have it both ways here. They want to let every team have a rep, but they also want to put their stars out there. Like Kershaw is there because he's a name. Otani is there because he's a name. Um, you know, um, it's not you know. First base for the American League was kind of a close, a close one. I think um, could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, those guys are there because they're a name. Juan Soto's there because of he's a name. Maybe Josh Bell should have been in there instead. Um, yeah. You know, Verlander's in there because it's Verlander. I mean, again, they want to. They, no. they seem to want to have the have their cake and eat it too. They want to have make sure every team has a rep, but they also want to to put their bigger names out there. No, nah, man, Verlander belongs this year. Eleven and three, an ERA oh, right. of two, a WHIP of point eight seven. I no, yeah. I, I'm okay with Verlander. Yeah. I am too. I, I didn't necessarily mean it that way, but like you have some of these guys who are in name wise and it's, it's stupid. You yeah. have some of these guys who are in because they're, they're team reps like a Soto from Detroit. The, the fact that the commissioner pick doesn't count is, is stupid. Yeah. hundred percent agreement. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Absolutely no sense. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, and they're so worried about overloading first baseman. Well, then you let then you let Lil Contreras just be DH for half the game, and then put one of the thousands of first basemen in and give him a break. I don't think the plan was to let either DH stay in the whole game. But maybe they will. I maybe I shouldn't try and uh, prognosticate for everybody else. But now let's look at Austin Riley because this this one really ticks me off. And I'm not. I, I don't want to take anything away from Machado and Arenado. They're having great seasons. Although I have to say Machado was hurt for a good chunk of the season, 
and he's got significantly less at bats than both Riley and Arenado. So this is I'm just Joe. I'm just looking at the uh, third baseman in the National League. Austin Riley leads all of them in home runs with 23, um, and I believe he's tied for second in the NL as well with that. He is third in average at 281 behind Machado and Arenado. Uh, Machado leads at 309. OPS for these guys. Machado squeaked ahead uh, with games last night. He's at 9.15. Riley's at 9.02. For doubles, Riley leads at 21. For RBIs, come on, screen. If you could refresh, that'd be phenomenal. Anyway, I went, there it is. Riley leads at 56. Arenado at 55. I don't understand Riley not getting picked. And his numbers are comparable up there with league leaders outside of third base as well. Uh, Machado got in on, frankly, a, a fan favorite vote. Absolutely. As close as these guys are, the fact that he has played 10-plus games fewer than both Arenado and Riley should have counted against him. Yeah, I, I think the fan vote, you know, I really think that it it – dilutes the pool a little bit. I think this should be a, a, a player and manager decision. Realistically, a player's vote and a manager's vote. And yeah, yeah they're the ones who know besides guys like us who follow it religiously, you know, who the best guys in, in the league are. The, the, the fans know names and the fans know names in their towns. And, and if you can, you know, flood the box, your guy's getting in. Here's the thing. If you want to keep the fan vote as part as a part of it, then maybe have the fans pick the finalists, but let the players decide who the starter should be. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, I, just, I think a lot of, a lot of the guys who were picked probably, I would say half of them probably end up being the starters if the if the players decide that yeah. based on 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 the way this finalist you know first round broke down um I don't I don't see a lot of players in the league thinking that Wilson Contreras doesn't start um anybody who says Wilson Contreras doesn't start should just should just go the hell away I love I love Darno Darno should not have been the starter ahead of Wilson Contreras Right. So, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So that's the snubs. That's the thoughts. Let's, let's look at the home run derby earlier today. MLB announced that Pete Alonso is going to be going for the three Pete because of course they did. Um, they're going to be announcing other contestants on Thursday, but then we had some more news break. Um, Acuna announced on his Instagram that he is going to be participating and uh, Big Jim Sports uh, through Huddle Up, our buddy Jim, uh, through the athletics, found out that Albert Pujols has said he will be in the home run derby. What the hell is Pujols doing in the home run derby? This isn't 2009 or 2012 or any of his time with St. Louis when he was legitimately one of the biggest power threats in the league he ain't that anymore he's hit what five home runs this season 
five. And he's not even a regular everyday starter for them, as Jason pointed out in the group chat earlier. I, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't understand how some of this is going to work out, how some of this shakes out. I mean, it, it would be one thing if Pujols didn't get into the game, but he's in the game. So Thanks, there's, no, there's no need, there's no desire to say, well, let's get him one more way into the, the last All-Star game of his career. Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, you know, at that rate, you might as well let KB in, who up until this week, this week didn't have a home run. So, you know. I, I mean, honestly, I'd take KB over Pujols <laughs> if they were matched up in the same bracket together. I mean, I, I'd take, you know, if, if you're going to do things that's, that seem ridiculous, put put the Schwisdom boys in there. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, right. Frank Schwindel, Christopher Morrell. I mean, hell, bring back John Lester and put him in there. <laughs> Carlos Zambrano. Mike Hampton. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's bring back these uh, retired pitchers that could actually hit a little bit. Let's, let's bring back Bartolo Colon. Yes, yes. Where is Big Sexy when you need him? Now, Acuna, I I understand the pick. It's he's a big name. Um, Alonso's first home run derby that he won, he actually knocked Acuna out in round one, and it was it was within two or three home runs, so it wasn't a blowout. So there's a little history there. Plus, they're NL East rivals. But Acuna's not the guy from the Braves I would have picked. I would have picked Austin Riley with his uh, NL number two, 23 home runs. But what do I know? Not much, apparently. Um, so the more names will be announced Thursday. Uh, we have. I'm assuming Schwarber should be invited at the very least. Um Seeing as he leads the NL right now, I'm assuming Aaron Judge will be invited, seeing as he leads baseball. Um, Alvarez is number three in baseball, but he's hurt. Trout's number four. That would be interesting to see Mike Trout in there. I don't know that he's ever done a home run derby before because it seems like he gets hurt around this time almost every year. So I would like to see Mike Trout as a rep. That would be pretty sweet. Uh, you also have Byron Buxton would be a nice choice to see. I'd like to see possibly Rizzo or Stanton. You know, there's fortunately there is a pretty deep pool of 20 plus home run hitters. I honestly I won't be surprised if Shohei's in it again because why the hell not? Um, and frankly, even though he didn't advance, he still put on a nice show last year. I I gotta say the dude freaking hits the ball harder than almost anyone I've ever seen, even if it's just a line drive, which seemed to be what happened during his round. He was just line driving him too much, not enough elevation. Um, so I, I, I'm excited for Thursday. I love watching the Home Run Derby. It's just a lot of fun. But uh, it, it's going to be an interesting field. I just I, I have a feeling. I mean, are they going to tell Miggy, hey, you're in the home run derby too because Pujols is in and just make it an old guy's bracket? And then once those two knock each other out, we can get on with the regular event? Who the hell knows? 
I mean, uh, yeah, it, we'll, we'll see how they how this shakes out and who all else gets in. Um, I, I think, you know, sounds like a homer pick, but Wisdom should be in. I'd like wisdom to see that. It's the cover off the ball, and, and why the heck not? Um, yeah. You might as well get as many cu- current Cubs players into the All-Star game before they're not Cubs players anymore. So... <laughs> Oh, that's so harsh, but unfortunately, probably true. All right, and now for the second year in a row, we're going to break away from the tradition of having the players wear their home jerseys for All-Star Game jerseys, which is the stupidest fucking thing in the world. I mentioned this last year during our All-Star Game preview, and I will continue to mention it every damned year until we go back to it. I like the mismatch of uniforms out there. I think it looks really good. I don't watch the Pro Bowl, but one of the things I do like about it is that everybody wears their helmet from their own team. I Anyway, so the uniforms this year, which are infinitely better than the clusterfuck jerseys last year. I mean, to be fair, it couldn't have gotten any work. No, I shouldn't say that. Nike is in charge of uniforms. Anyway. So, uh, NL, because they're home, they'll be wearing white tops. The AL are wearing a very dark gray top. On the chest is the team's chest logo in gold, along with uh, the name in the back, and their numbers will also be gold in the back as well. Um, Interesting note, Joe, the Marlins jerseys say Marlins, unlike most of their jerseys that say Miami. So, um, sure, great. And uh, for the crappy, horrible, we had to come up with a bullshit storytelling reason from Nike, quote, the jerseys are inspired by the fame and fortune of the City of Angels, and the club's specific chest graphic is drawn from the gold sheen of Hollywood award shows. Does anything, have you ever heard anything that makes you want to barf more than that? Like, good God. (laughs) There's plenty of things, most of them I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> look, I, you know, most of what comes out of Phil Knight's mouth is a bunch of garbage. So what the hell do I care? Um, <laughs> you're not wrong, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a nicer uniform than last year. Um, I have Holy. less beef with it. I, I don't, I mean, I, I honestly would prefer sort of what, like you said, with the pro bowl where they've got a, a uniform, um, and then they wear, that the hats match um, this way. They're kind of getting the team logo in, which I think is a, a nice way to do it. Um, sort of have the best of both worlds there, here. This is definitely obviously an upgrade from last year. And, I've, you know, I, I, I kind of like, you know, having a all-star team Jersey and then imp- implementing the, 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 you know, graphics and logos of, of the team that, the guy plays for i think that's a nice way to do it so I, I think they they found a way to to make both sides of this happy i don't know uh yeah, both sides happy i don't know about that uh, it is better than last year it, he, it, I, so i was reading uni watch earlier um because that's my go-to place for uniform news because i'll miss it otherwise um Paul Lucas brought up a really interesting point, or I can't remember if it was the weekend guy, but one of them brought up an interesting point. Your World Series champions get gold trim uniforms. I mean, this is the 
championship hat. It's got the gold trim around the A. It's got the World Series ch- champ patch on the side. Um, even the stupid maker's mark on the other side is also in gold. Why are we doing gold for the Midsummer Classic? I mean, I know Nike's bullshit storytelling reason. I, d- does it feel like we're overusing the gold a little bit? It's, you know, to be honest, until they brought that point up, it's not something I had personally ever thought about. But it, it's an interesting point. Are, are we overusing gold here? Probably. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't, I don't put nearly as much... Uh, energy and focus into the uniforms as you do i'll I'll say that so (laughs) well like i said that's not something i had even thought of but it it is a good point i mean silver i actually i think silver would have looked nice on those dark gray uniforms that the al's wearing it would have been completely lost on the nl uniforms yeah definitely tops i'm a little surprised though they didn't do like dodger blue or something like that because that the dodger blue is classic you know it you, and you still could have had like the logos and what, you know, I, I feel like I wish they would do, and, and maybe this is the way to do it. Um, I, I don't know where it's at next year, but maybe you do, um, you know, the, the, in this case, the NL is um, in the, the Dodger white and then the AL would be in, in their road uniform. Maybe that's how you do it. Um, with with obviously with their team logos on it, but the base color being the hosting the hosting club. Uh, next year it will be in Seattle. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah, That's I mean, I think if you do, like I said, if you do like a col- the team colors for the base of the uniform and then put you know club logos on it, maybe that's a way to get a good mix. Yeah, there, there's got to be a better way. Or, like I said, go back to the way we did it for decades, literally decades, and just let the players wear their own damn uniforms from their home team. Worked really well for a long time. I don't see why Nike needs to keep screwing uniforms up for their own gain. But that's why I don't make billions and billions of dollars a year selling uniforms. So um, we have... Uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr., um, one of the most electric players you're going to see on a ball field this year. Crazy stat I found out today, Joe. He is the first ever all-star from the Bahamas. You know, with all of the Caribbean players we've had over the years, I'm shocked that's never happened before. So congratulations to uh, Chisholm for that. Um, And then looking at the uh, rep numbers, the Yankees, not surprisingly, considering they're far and away the best team in baseball right now, lead all teams with six reps, and the Braves lead the National League with five reps. I believe the Astros also had five reps as well. So uh, I think that's uh, pretty much it for All-Star Week, at least for now. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll know the full extent of the Home Run Derby on Thursday. And, of course, players are going to be swapped in and out based on injury, pitchers based on when they pitched last. Um, you know, that's all going to be happening over the next couple of days as well. So we'll, you know, we'll see about all of that. Um, anything else from you, Joe, for the all, for the mess that's known as the All-Star Game and the All-Star Break? No, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> that's enough, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to New York. 
Keith Hernandez, uh, one of the one of the best pit players in the history of the Mets franchise. Uh, he had his uniform number retired on July 9th. His uh, number was 17. He said, quote, this is just a great moment for me. I never dreamed I'd be here this long in the organization. I'm absolutely humbled and proud that my number will be up in the ra- up in the rafters for eternity. And the Mets, Joe, unlike their uh, crosstown rival Yankees, do not have a ton of numbers retired. He is only the fourth player. Um, Jerry Kuzman had his number retired last year, and then Seaver and Piazza also have their numbers retired. Um, and two former managers, Casey Stangle and Gil Hodges, are also honored with their numbers being retired as well. So uh, Keith Hernandez, he was the first captain in club history. He is second in Mets history with a 297 batting average, 10th in RBIs. He has a team record six Golden Gloves out of 11 total that he earned throughout his career. And he's been with the Mets organization even since retirement. He's been one of their broadcasters since 99, and he has won three Emmys for Best Sports Analyst. So uh, that's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Congratulations to uh, Hernandez. He absolutely earned this honor. Um, And the bobblehead they gave out, Joe, was uh, him behind his desk as as the uh, broadcaster. I, I, I loved it. You know, the salt and pepper beard, the whole nine yards. Nice look. Yeah, it's it's really a, a neat story. Um, going into the booth has allowed him to court, sort of be a beloved figure to a second generation of Met fans. Um, you know, you know, fathers can share stories about when he was a player, and kids can share stories with their kids when he was an announcer, and it really just continues that. Um, you know, and. It's really nice to see. He, like you said, he had 11 gold gloves total. He's not in Cooperstown, which I find <laughs> baffling. Um, you know, 11 gold gloves. You're a career 296 hitter. You're in the Hall of Fame for both the Mets and the Cardinals for the team Hall of Fames, and you're not in Cooperstown. Here we go. 60.3 WAR for his career. 2,182 hits, now only 162 homers. I, and that's probably what hurt him the most because he was a first baseman. 296 average, 1,124 runs scored, 1,071 RBIs, 98 stolen bases. He had a 384 OP, OBP of 436 slugging. Uh, let's see. He had an MVP award. He was a five-time all-star, won two world series rings, a batting title, two silver sluggers. Uh, you know, man, I'm having a really, really hard time seeing why he shouldn't be in there. He led the league in runs scored twice. He led the league in doubles once. He led the league in walks drawn once. Um, his best season in 79, when he won the MVP, he slashed 344-417-513. Jesus, that's insane. That, that's that's certainly effective. Um, so yeah, and Cohen and Showalter gave him a mosaic of six with more than six thousand of his baseball cards. Um, and several of his former teammates were there. Ron Darling was there. Uh, Mookie Wilson was there. They, they, you'll appreciate this, Andrew. They mowed 17 into the outfield grass. Nice. Um, you know, it, it, he's been with the club almost 40 years. 
Yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah, he, um, he's a lifer. He deserves to be recognized. Um, you know, and after the speech he gave, he threw the first pitch out, um, threw it from first base. His brother Gary was wearing uh, the glove that Keith wore uh, during the 1986 postseason and ca caught the ball. Uh, Madeline came out and talked to him. You know, and Cohen plans to do this more. So, you know, they're going to retire David Wrights probably in due in due time. Uh, Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry. You know, he wants to do something about Bobby Bonilla Day, which you touched on last week. Um, you know, ownership taking an interest in remembering the past and honoring and recognizing it. I think that's huge. Yeah. And let's face it, the Mets have not been known as an organization that's been smoothly run for many, many, many years. So if this brings a little bit of stability to the Mets, helps to bridge the generational gaps between the Mets, this is, it could only be a good thing. So... Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, congratulations to Hernandez. Uh, long overdue, but extremely well-earned. Hell, hell of a player. And honestly, I, I will say this, Joe. I don't often like to listen to the um, other broadcasts when I'm watching games. I'll listen to the Mets every now and then. I do like to listen to Hernandez. He, he definitely makes the game interesting. He's a good analyst. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's fun to listen to other announcers and, and – you know, I, I've told you guys before, I'm, I'm partial to radio. I will, a lot of times now with MLB TV, I will put the radio feed over the video because sometimes it's just fun to do that um, yeah. and fun to listen to these guys. Um, you know, the first year I had the MLB package was um, Vin Scully's last year. And I would literally, I would stay up late and watch Dodger games his last year because it's just fun to listen to. The man yeah. had a gift for 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 the game and a gift for description and you know the way he does things there's there's a youtube video of him doing a grocery list that's a regular listen for me once in a while when i need to pick me up you know i think that's that's huge he's he's he was a larger than life personality and a lot of those radio guys are yeah, I actually, uh, not, not going to lie, I got so tired of listening to Joe Buck last year during the World Series run that I often did the same thing and listened to Atlanta sports radio instead of uh, Joe Buck and the inane babbling that would spill out of his mouth. Yeah, not going to lie. <laughs> but really, I, and the thing is, to be a good radio guy, and to be able to inject the amount of excitement in and to be able to paint the picture in my head as I'm just listening to it, but I feel like I'm immersed in, like that, that's a good radio guy. And there's, a, there's a lot of good ones out there and it's, they're fun to listen to, honestly. All right. So uh, I'll step in for Jason right now. Uh, his uh, down on the farm hit uh, players of the week. First, his hitter is Ellie De La Cruz of the Dayton Dragons. They are the high A club of the Reds. He's a second baseman, and he is their number two prospect and number 77 in the MLB Top 100. In his last seven days, which is five games, he had a 467, 556, 1.467 slash line. Holy crap, that's insane. Went seven for 15 at the plate with five homers, five RBIs, because, you know, apparently he likes to hit him Harper style. He had three stolen bases while walking three times and only striking out once. 
So uh, he would also qualify as an honorable uh, Moneyball hitter of the week as well <laughs> with numbers like that. And then the pitcher of the week, um, Cade Cavalli of the Rochester Red Wings, AAA affiliate of the Nationals, 22nd overall picked in the 2020 draft. This past week he went 1-0, seven innings, a two-hit shutout ball, and he struck out seven batters at the same time. So uh, that is uh, Jason's down on the farm uh, look at some of the guys coming up through the various pipelines. Now, Joe, last week uh, you got to take a trip out to Clipper Magazine. How was that? It, it's always an enjoyable night, no matter what ballpark you're in. Um, you know, Clipper Magazine is is a great stadium, and it, it's so close and so easy, you know, to enjoy a game there. Um, you know, Went with a with a buddy of mine who had some tickets, and um, yeah, we were on the first base side. And um, while that's a battle on a sunny day, it wasn't so sunny, thank God. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's it's just a beautiful ballpark. It always has been since it opened, and and it's always a nice night to just get out and enjoy yourself. Um, you know, it, those games, it's always. I think more about the experience than it is about the game because it's either a, you know, low scoring affair or a back and forth affair, or it's a blowout and it's just a drag out. Um, the barnstormers in this one, they scored eight runs in the fourth inning. <laughs> I think the fourth inning lasted almost 45 minutes. Um, just the bottom half of it. Um, it, it was just awful. Yeah, absolutely awful from from that standpoint. That pitcher, they left him in probably an inning too long, um, or or half an inning too long, I should say. Um, he didn't finish the fourth, and then the second guy came in and gave up a few more runs. So it, it was just you know ugly baseball after a while. Um, but you know, um, it, it's like I said, it's always a good experience at the ballpark, no matter which one you're at. Um, you know, and and. Lancaster's no different. And sometimes those minor league parks are just a much more entertaining experience um, than some of the major league parks. And it's just more accessible, I think. Yeah. It, well, first of all, it's nice to not have to spend an arm and a leg to get in. You don't have to spend an arm and a leg for parking because parking is free for the Bardstormers, as it should be for almost pretty much everybody. Uh, concessions are. Uh, a little higher. I, I'll, I'll give them that. They, they do get you there, but tickets are not expensive. Even really good seats down, you know, right off the you know, right off the line or right behind the dugouts. The, those are not expensive tickets. And it's and here's the thing: it is a full family entertainment atmosphere. You know, they've got the area for the kids to go off to. You know, because let's face it, most young kids, if they don't play baseball, and even if they do, they're not going to want to sit around for nine innings and watch a game like you or I would. So it works. You know, they've got that for the kids to go do, and it's just, it's such a nice and well-kept and clean ballpark. Um, I've always had a great time every time we've been out there. So, uh yeah, I'm glad you had a good experience. And hey, it sounds like the Stormers won at least, which uh, I think last year I think it was they were one and three or one and four in games that we went to. So you're starting it off better than I did last year, that's for sure. All right, uh, one bit of uh, one bit of uh, concerning news that I saw earlier this afternoon: the Dodger Stadium concession workers are threatening strike right before the All Star game. 
The union is the Unite Here Local 11. Um, they announced in a news release that, quote, 99% of employees voted in favor of going on strike, adding that one could occur at any moment. Dodger Stadium concession workers are employed by Levy Restaurants, which I think is actually based in Chicago. Um, they employ nearly 1,500 food servers, bartenders, suite attendants, cooks, and dishwashers. Unite Here Local 11 represents 32,000-plus hospitality workers in both Southern California and Arizona. Um, they've not released any specific demands. They're just saying that they're, quote, seeking to negotiate a fair new union contract. They said uh, co-president Susan Minato wrote, Stadium workers are proud of the role they play to bring the fans the best game experience possible. They are the backbone of our tourism and sports industry, yet many struggle to stay housed and to make ends meet. They often live with economic uncertainty because the quality of jobs vary from stadium to stadium. No worker should have to continue living like this. Um, MLBPA announced that they stand in solidarity with the concession workers. Um, their quote was, uh, like thousands of ballpark workers across the country, Local 11's members are a vital yet underappreciated part about what makes our game great. They deserve to be treated fairly and will continue to have 1,200 members of the MLBPA behind them. So, uh, <laughs> hell of a time for this to drop, huh? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, to me, that, that sounds like somebody was, uh, let's say this is a brilliant strategy. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. If you're going to put that, this kind of, of thing out, you've got the most leverage a week before their biggest weekend, um, you know, and, you know, starting with the futures game on Saturday. So like you're literally potentially going to screw over the Dodgers. And I mean, Nobody wants to see that happen with the all-star break. So I'm assuming that, you know, there'll be a deal struck before the weekend um, to clear all this up. But um, yeah, someone, someone brilliant strategy on their part. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's all about leverage and you want to maximize every potential you have with that. And uh, this is the time to do it. So, Hey, more power to them. I, I, I hope they're able to get a more fair contract. Um, you know, and I, we don't know what the demands are, obviously, but let's, you know, let's hope that they're not asking for the moon. I mean, you know, they're not asking to be millionaires, but, you know, fair living wage is not something that should be out of the question for these people, in my humble opinion, anyway. All right. So uh, let's move on. The Braves had a hell of a week, Joe. Six and one last week. They took three of four from the Cardinals for you. And also, Jason, you're welcome for getting you into the wild card berth with that. And then they swept the Nationals, which also great. But frankly, that's what they should be doing against a team that's fielding essentially a double-A roster plus Bell and Soto. Um, my, my guy of the week, Joe was Austin Riley huge week. He got NL player of the week honors. Um, he hit four forty-eight, three doubles, three homers, uh, one, three, four, six OPS, eight RBIs, which is tied for best in the NL scored six runs and eight sixty-two slugging. Um, he had a walk off single and extras on Sunday to help sweep the nationals. And that was after he actually, uh, he actually tied the game or 
Uh, I might be thinking of Saturday. Saturday, he had a go-ahead home run as well in the eighth. I mean, he was just on fire that whole week. Uh, for the month, 463, 511, 951, 10 extra base hits, 10 runs scored, 13 RBIs. That's not bad. <laughs> That's not bad at all. Also, uh, Kyle Wright picked up his 10th win of the season against the Nationals. Uh, he should have had it in his previous start, uh, but that was the rain-delayed game that uh, was just too long of a delay to run him back out afterwards, so he didn't pitch enough innings to qualify for the win. But congratulations to Wright for picking up his 10th win and being the first Atlanta pitcher to pick up 10 wins in the season. Fun fact, Joe, he joins Max Freed, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton collecting his 100th strikeout of the season. That's four Atlanta pitchers with 100 strikeouts. No other team is more than two pitchers with 100 strikeouts, and those teams are the three teams that do are Seattle, Philadelphia, and surprisingly, Cincinnati. So, uh, yeah, I've got no complaints. I was happy to see. See, here's the thing. I talked about this with Logan last week, um, that – Atlanta's been playing really well, but Atlanta has not been playing great competition lately. Well, they finally had some with St. Louis, and they took three out of four. And the the game they lost was an extra innings game. And to be honest, man, extra inning games are crap shots 100% of the time. So to if that's the one game you lose is an extra innings game, I'm going to be frustrated, but I can understand that because anything and everything will happen in extra innings. <laughs> Yeah, uh, extra inning games are a crapshoot unless you're playing the Cubs. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, you guys haven't been doing so well in this, have you? No, we have not. <laughs> well, I bet you're not the worst in the league. I, I, there has to be somebody worse than you in extra innings here. Let me take let, let me take a peek. I, I don't think so, man. Um, Ten of the last eleven, we have not scored the runner. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. I mean, we're only three and six. Oh, Jesus. You guys are three and nine. Uh, let's see. who's. What, what did I just get done saying? Like, yeah. Did, did you, nope. Did, nope. Did you... I'm sorry. Nope. There's one team worse. Washington is one and six. Oh, okay. Washington. The fact and that Oak Washington has been in seven extra inning games is a miracle. Yeah, right. I mean, Oakland's no. 0-2, but that's because Oakland's usually getting blown out. So <laughs> that explains that one. Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, we'll use that as the segue. How about them Cubs? <laughs> yeah, this was a uh, interesting week. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, they, they start off with the Brewers. Um, they take two out of three. So um, they won their fourth straight series, which – Felt really good. Um, game one, they lose this on Monday to in extra innings. Um, since we brought it up, um, <laughs> the uh, the way this one went, um, you know, Velasquez had a homer. Saya had a little league homer in the top of the ninth, um, also known as an inside the park. Um, and the bottom of the ninth goes as as so. For, for the Cub bullpen. Single, strikeout, double, strikeout, hit by pitch, Yelich, RBI, walk. And then Caratini gets his revenge game against the Cubs and hits a walk-off three-run homer in a 10th. 
Jesus. And I told you that this whole Efros thing with the having a picture Efros was going to allow me to code, take coded swipes at my manager. Um, yeah, Efros, two-thirds of an inning, a hit, three runs, and a walk. Um, you know, and th- what's, what's really frustrating about this entire week for the Cubs is that they had really good starting pitching in most of the games. Uh, you know, this one, Steele and Lauer went up against each other, and this was as advertised. It was, you know, Steele went six and two-thirds, Lauer went six, both two hits, both gave up one run, and both had nine strikeouts. Damn. I'll take that any day of the week, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. Um, and it should be. Like, that's that's the really frustrating thing. That should be enough nine times out of ten. Should be. Um Game two, Wick was his best performance of the week, which says a lot about where this is going. Um, <laughs> the, the fifth inning was the beginning in this one. Hap had an RBI double, and then Saya had a two-run homer um, of the regular variety this time. Um, um, and then game three, two-to-one win to win the series. Robertson is 12 for 17 in save opportunities. So um, after the last week or so, he was probably 12 – of 14 going into the last part of this week here. Um, Samson five and two thirds, four hits a run. Uh, so good enough. Um, Burns seven innings, three hits, 10 strikeouts. So Burns had himself a day. Um, all the scoring came after the, um, after Burns went out. So, um, and then, of course, you know, they take this energy and they go into play the Dodgers because why not? Um, and they decide to get swept because, of course, they did. And they lost by seven runs total this entire weekend. That's which, hell. which leads to my the way I opened this was they had good starting pitching and the bullpen just said, screw it. Not today. Um Game one, they lose this one. Gonsolin, Gonsolin's on the mound. Gonsolin's been amazing, um, you know. And this is the only game of the weekend that the Cubs didn't blow a lead because they never had one. <laughs> uh, yeah, not many teams have had a lead on him this year, to be fair. So yeah. you know, um, Betts went two for three, two homers, um, and you know, Morrell had a two-run homer in the top of the fifth, but. It, Offense just wasn't there. Um, and when you're doing bullpen games, that's, that's the way it's going to go. Um, game two, and this is like the, the big highlight of the weekend for a Cub fan, the biggest thing you're going to hold your hat on. Keegan Thompson pitches in this one. It was five and two-thirds, two hits, no runs, eight strikeouts. He struck out Mookie twice, Bellinger, Smith, both Turners, Lux, and Lamb. And the guy, this is his first year as a starter, not even full year. Damn. The guy just shows up. This this guy is a definite starter for them going forward, and that's exciting to see. Um, you know, it's if there's one positive, you know, I, I used to hang my hat on Hendricks pitching every fifth day. I hang my hat on Hendricks or uh, Thompson pitching every every fifth day now. That's for sure. Um. You know, so that was the big part of this one was, and Will Smith has a hit a walk off in the tenth, 
to to win the game for the Dodgers, which is even more disappointing um, when that happens. Um, game three, four two loss to Kershaw because why not? Uh, seven and two thirds, ten strikeouts. The, the guy straight up delivered. Um, the Cubs were up one nothing, two nothing, and then lost four to two. Um, I talked about Wick earlier. He went two thirds, five hits, three runs in this game. Um, and then game four, they blow a five nothing lead and an eight three lead to lose eleven to nine. Because why not? Um, bright spot out of this, Nico went three for five in yesterday's game and had two runs. So Nico was hitting the crap out of the ball and um, doing much better than had they kept Javi Baez. So I got to get my Baez digs in somewhere, man. Hey, I, I enjoy every single one of the Baez digs because I don't disagree with any of them. <laughs> Yeah, so this was a, a nightmare week for the Cubs, really, the, the, the tail end of it. And we're going in to face the uh, the red-hot Orioles are coming to Wrigley um, tomorrow. So see what happens. Words neither of us thought we were going to say this year. Now, I will say we didn't think they would be red-hot at any point, but I did say they would not finish in the bottom of the league. Yeah, you did. And I will uh, allow you to continue pointing that out every single week. And I have no issues with that because uh, it was a good call. All right. Looking at the Phillies, uh, these are Jason's notes because I'm going to be honest, I was not paying one iota of attention to the Phillies last week. Um, game one of the Nat series was Schwarber still thinking it was June. He hit two home runs in a bullpen game. That was an 11-0 win. Uh, Chris Sanchez went five innings, only two hits. Um, went that deep because he only threw his 60 pitches. Impressive. Um, Familia, Bellotti, and Apple pitched the remainder and only gave up one additional hit. So um, uh, Esp- Espino, not a good game. Three and two-thirds, six hits, four runs. All right, let's see. And then – sorry, this is all spread out over the chat. Um, with the Cardinals series, it was a four-game ending tonight because I that was just – odd that they did that game one was a two nothing win Baum had two solo shots off Wainwright who threw a complete game first time in MLB history a team won two nothing with a multi-home run game coming from their eight or nine hitter that was crazy Wheeler pitched a solid seven five hits five strikeouts hand got the save in the ninth game two was a pitcher's duel between Gibson and Hudson won one nothing by the Phillies on a sack fly from Baum in the top of the ninth so a really good week for Baum uh, Cardinals won game three, four to three. Pujols actually had a homer in that one, so maybe they thought he was hot enough to be ready for the home run derby. Who the hell knows? Um, Schwarber also had another home run in that one. And, uh, yeah, game four, we'll talk about that next week. Some side notes from Jason. The Phillies have the best bullpen ERA in the major since June 15th because, holy crap, that's ridiculous. Since you firing about words we never thought we'd say. That's That's another one. Yeah, that I never thought you, uh, outside of like a one-week stretch, I didn't think you'd be able to say that about the Phillies' bullpen this year. Since firing Joe Girardi, the Phillies have won eight of the ten series played under Rob Thompson and are 24-11 since he took over. Uh, Let me see if there's anything else he had in there. Oh, uh, yeah, it looks like, um, unfortunately, uh, Alec Baum got hurt tonight. 
he left with a hand injury after this after a slide and apparently said it's broken as he left the field so that's unfortunate because bomb is a guy that i have given a lot of crap to over the years some of it fair like not touching home plate in atlanta for almost a year and a half it felt like um his defense uh for the most part atrocious although i will say boy ever since that game where he through every error he possibly could. He has been much, much better. Although granted when you're that bad, you have nowhere to go, but up. Um, but he's really, he's, I, I think moving him down in the order has been very beneficial for him. I think it's maybe taken some of the pressure off him. Um, and he's just, he's played better. He's stepped up with all the injuries around the infield. Um, you know, the, I, I think they were thinking maybe putting Stott in ahead of him, but uh, he's pitched well enough that, you know, that's, or excuse me, he's hit well enough that they haven't had to do that. So hopefully uh, it's not a serious injury, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. All right. So uh, moving on to the hot players. Here we go. I have, and uh, yeah, the one guy, it, Joe, I, I, I already know you're stealing one of my hot players for Moneyball, so I won't mention him. Uh, the other guys, we've got Aaron Hicks of the Yankees. He slashed 421-522, slugging. That's a hell of a week. Eight runs scored, three homers, six RBIs, two stolen bases, eight hits, three doubles, a triple, four walks, four strikeouts. Corey Seager of the Rangers, 500-566, He had six runs scored, four homers, nine RBIs, 11 hits, four walks, and a strikeout. Um, I've got Josh Rojas of the Diamondbacks of all places, 478, 539, 826, six runs scored, a home run, eight RBIs, two stolen bases, 11 hits, five doubles, three walks, four strikeouts. Um, and then I also wanted to toss out Michael Harris, the second, the rookie out of Atlanta, 269, 296, 539, but six runs scored, two homers, five RBIs, three stolen bases, Sevitz in a double. Um, and the kid's defense is just absolutely mind-blowing. He's made plays I haven't seen a brave center fielder make since Andre Jones. So uh, n- nice to toss him out there because, uh, especially for a rookie, that's not a bad week at all. Joe, anybody else for the regular hot list? Yeah. Um, I, I was, since we weren't, I wasn't on last week, I'm, I want to highlight Nico the last two yeah. weeks. Um, 367, 406, 483. Um, you know, he's, he's really seen the ball well, hitting the ball well. 22 hits, eight runs, a homer, four RBIs, uh, four walks and a steal. And his defense has been amazing. Um, Nico has solidified himself as the shortstop going forward. Um, and, and that's not something that I think a lot of Cub fans thought they'd be able to say at this point in the year. Yeah, that's awesome. Given yeah. given how much we were pushing for, um, you know, other big big dime uh, free agent acquisitions, um, you know, I think he solidified himself in that that spot. Yeah, I, um, I, I think it's safe to say he's not going anywhere anytime soon. No, he better not be. Um, <laughs> you know, I would I wouldn't put it past uh, you know Cubs management because they're idiots, but. Whatever. Um, the other hitter I had, uh, former Cub, uh, KB, 364, 440, uh, a 1,000 slugging, and a 
1440 OPS, six runs, eight hits, two doubles, four home runs. He, he, I think he had no home runs going into last week. So to get four, hey, why not put him in a home run derby? He's almost as many as holes in a week. <laughs> Five RBIs, three walks, two strikeouts. So, you know, he, he's only played in, I think, 30 games total this year. He's been hurt a ton. Um, but um, which – you know, good on good on the Cubs for not going back after him. Um, I, I think that was a wise decision. Um, so those are the two outside my my Moneyball guys. So I've got one that Jason's going to yell at me if I don't toss up there. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, three eighteen four hundred one, uh, seven runs, five homers, six RBIs because he apparently hit a lot of Harper style and uh, seven hits, three walks, six strikeouts. Yeah, the guy had himself an entire five weeks of amazing offensive output. Utter insanity is, I think, the word yeah. you're looking for. Yeah. 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 All right, Joe. Who is your Moneyball Player of the Week? Although I already know who it is. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got a runner up, um, Cattell Marte for Arizona, uh, three thirteen, five twenty two, five sixty three. A 1085 OPS, four runs, five hits, a double, a homer, two RBIs, seven walks, and two strikeouts. Um, but this was a, a going away uh, obvious choice for this one. The Moneyball Player of the Week, Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves, uh, 520, 556, 1000 slugging, 1556 OPS for the week. That's a good week. Uh, yeah. Six runs, 13 hits, three doubles, three homers, eight RBIs, two walks, and four strikeouts. The guy just got it done this week. Yeah. Um, you know, and it that's the that's the thing about this run that the Braves have been on. It's not that the you know they've made up the ground, not because the Mets have been awful. They haven't been as good, obviously, but the Braves have just been right hot. Yeah. And everything's starting to click. Everybody's starting to hit back towards expectation again. And we're not relying on one or two guys to win us every game like we were earlier in the year when people were just trying to get back into the groove. And yeah, some of that probably is the compressed spring training. You know, a lot of guys may not have been completely ready coming out of it. Um, and pitchers do tend to have the advantage early on. Um, so, it, yeah, I'm, I'm – for that's a hell of a week. I mean, he more than earned the NL player of the week honors with a week like that, but uh, I I'm really happy to see him doing so well, especially when Acuna has been in a little bit of a mini slump, although he was jacking him against the nationals. So hopefully that'll help get him turned back around again. Cause let's face it. It seems like uh, any time this year, if you need some offensive help, just play the nationals. They're not going to throw any pitching that matters at you. Um, Fetty, one of their starters. I, I don't know if that man's ever won a game pitching against Atlanta, but I'm pretty sure we have his ERA against us between like five and eight because every time he's out there, we just beat the ever-loving snot out of him. It's it's not pretty when he pitches, which is why I enjoy watching him pitch so much against Atlanta. All right, let's move on to the pitchers. Uh, number one, the guy who probably should start the all-star game but won't because it's in los angeles sandy alcantara he went uh one and oh and two starts 15 innings 14 strikeouts 
ERA of zero, whip of 0.6, eight hits, one walk, no home runs, no runs. I had Taewon Walker of the Mets. In two starts, he went 1-0, 13 innings, 16 strikeouts, a 208 ERA, a 0.69 whip, very nice, three earned runs, seven hits, two walks, one home run allowed. I also had Carlos Rodon of the Giants. Um, he went uh, one and one this past week, 19 strikeouts and 14 innings, a 321 ERA, a 0.86 whip, five earned runs, eight hits, four walks. And then my other pitcher of the week, I'm going to go with um, Cole Irvin of Oakland because I feel like I, we should focus on guys we don't hear so much about. This week, he went one and one in two starts, 14 innings, only six strikeouts, but he held the teams to a 1.93 ERA, a 0.64 whip. He allowed three earned runs, nine hits. That's not bad at all. Joe, do you have anybody else for your starters this week? Um, you you had Alcantara and Rodon. Rodon was the one I, I really wanted to highlight. Um, I, I do want to say again, um, we talked about him in the Cubs recap, but Keegan Thompson continues to just bring it in every start and give them a chance to win. And to do what he did against that Dodger lineup is just awesome. That's that's a nasty lineup without a whole lot of breaks anywhere in it. And, you know, and, and he's got he started out the year with like two two pitches, maybe a, a third one. He's got five now. Um, so the guy has starter repertoire and he's getting starter results. And, you know, that he's, you know, someone who is just fun to watch. He just has an attitude about him, a presence about him where he's just like, I'm not afraid of anybody. Like, yeah. I'm going to throw it and you're going to try and hit it. And if you do fine, if you don't good, I got you. Yeah. Um, his, his ERA is down to three sixteen, So, uh, you know, that's a good number for wrestling fans out there. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, Th- Thompson is, is bringing it, man. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. Do you think, um, do you think coming out of the all-star break, do you think he's going to be, the ace of the staff, or do you think they're going to stick with Stroman slash uh, professor? Um, I, I don't know that they're going to make any bold decisions at that, at this point, uh, a lot of it depends, you know, does, does Smiley have three great starts before the trade deadline and get traded? Does <laughs> Wade Mildly come back and make a couple of starts and get traded? Um, you know, I, to me, um, Ace is just a title at this point when you're in a situation that the Cubs are in. Um, so I, I you easily see him as at least the number three starter of the staff, if not, you know, that that's a solid spot for him to be in, I think. Um, and, and even, you know, again, it depends how long Kyle's out, if, if he's back at the all star break, if he's, you know, back a week after. Um, you know, he, he went on the IL after gutting through three innings, and it was just the strangest thing. He was in the middle of the, of the second inning, and Ross already had Schwarmer up in the bullpen, and it was like, what, what's going on here? And then, you know, he, he, he tells – of course, he told Rossi he was fine, and, and he was lying, of course, because that's what he does. Um, he's a gamer. And, and you know, um, it's – 
you know, as far as rolling the rotation, I'm not really concerned about that. I'm concerned about what they're doing on the field. Fair enough. All right, Joe, who is your adulting reliever of the week? Um, this was uh, not a hard one, uh, not a hard decision at all. Jorge Lopez for Baltimore, uh, three for three in save opportunities, three innings, one hit batter, two hits, no runs, and five strikeouts. So uh, I'm, I'm expecting to see heavy doses of Jorge Lopez this week. So Yeah. Yeah, that's uh... – that, that's a pretty damn good week. I can't argue with that. All right. Looking at the hot teams, I have, first of all, I've got two teams that are on an eight-game winning streak. I don't know that we've had that happen. Uh, I know I said in the group chat since Atlanta and Philly went on their streaks, but I don't remember if we had an episode where they were both at eight-plus at that point or not. So I have our two eight-gamers, the Orioles and the Mariners. I also have the Astros, the Braves, the Phillies, the Marlins, the Dodgers. And I have an interesting one that I didn't think I'd put on this year, but I'm going to throw them on for this week. I'm going to throw the Reds on. The Reds went five and three last week and they swept the Rays. So, uh, you know, I'm going to give the Reds a little bit of love and put them on there. Do you have anybody else you want to put on there, Joe? No, I mean, sw- sweeping the Rays is not an easy thing to do. So, I mean, I, as much as I don't want to give the Reds any credit at all, I, I, I you know, I don't blame them. And and the, the spread between those two, just to give you an update on the basement of the NL Central, is two games. Um, yeah, <laughs> delightful. Absolutely delightful. <laughs> and also, a, uh, I, I made a very, very bad typing whoops last week. Uh, last week, the Cubbies were supposed to be on the hot list, not the Red Sox. Uh, so my bad on that one, man. Hey, you you got to give me my my good days when I can have them, man. You got to give me my highlights when I can get them. Jeez. Yeah, because it ain't May 2021 right now for the Cubbies. It's more like June 2021. Uh, although I will say at least I have a reason to watch the All-Star game this year. Last year, I didn't. So yeah. last, last year I, t- I took an all-star break myself and just said, screw it. I'm not watching it. Um, yeah. This week, this year I've got a, a reason to watch it. So. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be nice to see the, uh, it'll be nice to see both Contreras out in the field. That's just, I, I love that. I really do. All right. So looking at the uh, schedule to close out the first half of the 2022 baseball season, Atlanta, uh, home for three with the Mets. They're currently down 3-1 tonight. Uh, the matchup tonight was a fantastic one, Freed versus Scherzer. Tomorrow tonight is Spencer Strider versus Peterson, and then Morton versus Bassett. And then the Braves will end the first half on the road in Washington. Uh, Kyle Wright versus TBD. Anderson versus Corbin. Freed versus Espino. And Strider versus Gray. Damn it, we don't get to face Fetty this time. That makes me mad. I like beating up on that guy. Um, For your Cubbies, Joe, you're ending the first half. Two at home versus Baltimore. Samson versus Lyles. Steele versus Watkins. And then four at home versus the Mets. Thompson versus Carrasco, Stroman versus Walker, Smiley versus Scherzer. That's not going to be pretty. And uh, Samson versus Peterson. And then for the Phillies to end the first half, they have one trailing game from the St. Louis series that for some reason ended up today. 
um, Nola versus Mikolas, and then they're on the road the rest. Oh, they're on the road the rest of the way out. Uh, tomorrow they're in Toronto. TBD versus Barrios, which I believe Jason said was going to be a bullpen game because they've got a number of players who can't travel because of COVID vaccination. Uh, Wednesday's Wheeler versus TBD, and then on Friday they head down to Miami to end the first half. Gibson versus Alcantara, TBD versus Rogers, and then Nola versus Castano. So it's going to be a really interesting end of the first half. Um, I'm keeping a very close eye on Braves Mets, uh, but I, you know, it, I'm not so worried about the end of the week. They should be able to at least split or take three out of four in Washington, even without the uh, bonus of batting against Fetty. Um, but the Braves Mets series, th- this is a huge one because um, the Braves and the Mets have not played much yet this year. You know, it hasn't been like the Mets and the Phillies where they basically blew through two thirds of their schedule in a month and a half. Um, I like the pitching matchups that got lined up for this one. Strider versus Peterson tomorrow is going to be really good. And then the Wednesday matchup of Morton versus Bassett, I'm actually excited for because it seems like Charlie's finally turned a corner and is starting to pitch more like he did last year. He's starting to get some more quality starts. He's starting to get extended. He's get going back towards getting swing and miss stuff. Now, what you know, he he had a little bit of a bumpy start in Philadelphia when we were there the other night. Um, you know, it, it, it was he, he was getting the strikeouts, but he was laboring. He wasn't getting the quick outs. So we'll have to see how he does uh, Wednesday versus a Mets lineup that could absolutely grind out a pitcher um, without too much effort. So we're, you know, I'm. I want to see how the Braves do against the Mets this week because that that's a big series, especially at home. Um, so, Joe, for you guys, uh, you know, you thought you were going to have a nice little two-game break with the Orioles in town, but no, no, no. You had to get the Orioles that are kicking ass right now. Uh, do you think you guys are going to pick up much of anything in these last six games? No, I, I mean, there's no reason to necessarily think that they're going to. Um, the, the only saving grace is they're at Wrigley, so they might get two or three of the last six if they're lucky um, playing at home. Um, you know, I, I expect some, you know, some good energy in the ballpark for some of those guys that we're just not sure where they're going to end up here in a few weeks. Um, you know, I, I see a nice send-off from the fans for – Wilson and Ian going to the all-star all-star game next week. Um, you know, I, to me, it's, it's more so I have to focus on the good that comes out of the game, whether the result is what I want at this point. Um, so I'm just kind of taking it day by day, um, which is kind of where most Cub fans are, I think at this point. Yeah. I, you know, you, you take what you can get. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, it's club fans are kind of in a glass case of emotion again, like they were last year. I mean, you, you knew they were going to trade everybody at this point last year, um, you know, and there's a lot of uncertainty about where they're going this year. Um, you know, I, I ragged on Ian Happ last year and now he's in the all-star game. So, you know, to me, management is not serious if they don't keep those two. 
They're just not. Um, you know, last year it was well, we're going to be competitive. Well, we've seen how that's worked out in 2022 so far. Um, and you're not going to be competing for a pennant if or a division title if you trade away those two guys. You're just not. And then for the Phillies, uh, it, this is a this is a rough end of the first half to go four in the road at St. Louis, two in the road in Toronto, and then three on the road in uh, Miami. Um, I, I got to tell you, that sucks for the Phillies to have Gibson matched up against Alcantara instead of Wheeler, but um, I, I do understand they had to move the rotation around a little bit because of the uh, – they have a number of unvaccinated players. I think Jason said there are four or five guys that can't make the trip because of that um, with Canada not allowing unvaccinated players across the border. Um, it's this is a, this is kind of a rough end of the year for them because Toronto at home has been very good this year. And then Miami has been the Phillies kryptonite for a while and they are playing very well right now. Um, I'm going to call, I think, a split with Toronto, but I honestly, I would not be surprised to see the Marlins take two out of three down in Miami. Yeah, that's that That sounds like it could be how it shakes out. I, I mean, I, I would, I think, I think if you're Jason, you're happy with a split and, and trying and winning two out of three in Miami if you get that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he'd be overjoyed to take two out of three in Miami because it just doesn't happen very often for them. Well, let's face it; he's not he's not going to take Friday night or whatever that game is. So, yeah, I I, I don't see Gibson outdueling Alcantara. I do I, now. I, yeah, anything could happen. Schwarber can continue to stay hot and actually get lucky and get a couple home runs off Alcantara, but. You know, here's the thing. Even if that happens, I would not at all be shocked to see Miami say, oh, okay, we're actually going to pick up our starter and score some runs and help him out. You know, like what happened to Nola how many times this season for the Phillies. All right, Joe, you keeping an eye on any other series? Not not particularly. I'm kind of just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, looking at what, what the Cubs are doing and just seeing where things go. Understandable. Um, I One other weekend series I'm going to keep a wary eye on. Um, after the Yankees split with Boston last week, which I was honestly shocked about that. I thought the Yankees were going to take that series. Um, they have the Reds at home, and then they've got um, Boston at home for three games to end the uh, first half. So, you know, you know me, I love watching uh, Yankees, Red, Yankees, Red Sox. It's one of the great rivalries in baseball, honestly, one of the great rivalries in sports. So that's definitely one I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, Jason Rushinoff from the uh, Earnestly Speaking community said, uh, the Yankees blew yet another game to the Sox, went up where they could, where they could have easily swept the Sox to be 17 games ahead of them in the standings. Um, did you know that in 86 games, the Yankees only gave up, gave up only one more double-digit game, which was a 10-9 loss to the Jays, um, and they've only lost twice by five runs or less, nothing more. Yeah, man, the Yankees are absolutely the best team in baseball right now. I don't think there's any 
argument or debate about well, that. It's 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 not even close. Um, you know, it, it's this is not this is not the AL East race we thought we were going to get this year. Nope. They are fourteen up on Boston, and Boston's in second place. Like that's insane. And Boston's Boston's a five forty seven team right now. Tampa Bay in third place, five twenty nine team right now. Like this is absolutely insane. Toronto if, is a five seventeen team right now. Yeah, if 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 Philly beats Toronto in both games and Baltimore wins both games against the Cubs, they will be ahead of Toronto in the wild card. You want to know something crazy right now? In the AL wild card race, the first wild card team is the Red Sox. Wild card two is Tampa. Wild card three is a tie between Seattle and Toronto. And then Baltimore is two games out of that third wild card spot. This, oh, this is, wow. This is just, you know, an insane year um it's it's crazy yeah seattle seattle's been on a run and they're still 12 back and i mean toronto's kind of falling apart right now they're one and nine over their last 10 on a four game losing streak currently and uh they're only two games they're only two games ahead of the uh, orioles for last place in the division and right. they're a 517 team like that the al east is Absolutely insane right now. And uh, by the way, Joe, the uh, the uh, Yankees winning percentage right now, 709. 709. That's, that's team of baseball without a doubt. It's insane. And we're almost through the uh, first half. And they're at 709 still. Yeah, it's it's Damn. pretty crazy, man, what, what, yeah. what the Yankees have been able to do and, and – what the rest of that division has not been able to do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. They are 34 and nine at home, 27 and 16 on the road. They are 23 and 14 against teams, the better than 500 record. So it's not like they're feasting on bad teams. They're getting it done against the good teams as well. Yep. Damn. All right. So you can find all of our audio recordings on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and Spreaker. You can see us live on our YouTube channel, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter. You can find our merchandise at www.redbubble.com slash people slash DDAB dash podcast. Follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash dollar dogs and beer. On our Twitter page at DDAB underscore podcast. You can find all three of us on Twitter. I'm at PyroLord314, Jason's at JRicker300, and Joe's at JoltonJoe35. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC, and we are sponsored by the phenomenal Whiskey and Blade Barber Shop in Lidditz. May your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>